Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning at 10.30 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers, on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. Born again, as Pastor Joel continues his study, the gospel according to John, we are in John chapter 3. We are in a series uh, in the gospel according to to John. We're in the third chapter today. It's on page 834 in your P Bibles, if you would like to follow uh, along. And right at the heart of our text today uh, is one of the most well-known verses in probably the whole Bible. So if you grew up going to church, it's a a verse you memorized early on uh, in your childhood. Even if you didn't go to church and you're you're just like, I have no idea what this is about. You've seen this if you've been to a sporting event uh, or if you've even watched one on TV or if you've just been around public uh, because there's a poster board that always you'll find it somewhere. It says, John... 316, one of the most well-known verses. So if, if you memorize it, and this, isn't a, this is just a, like an experiment, if you've, if you've memorized it at all, w- would you say it with me? Uh, try and recall it, okay? John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, you might have noticed, uh, it's, uh, I said believeth and, and begotten and everlasting because I memorized it in the King James Version. So that's, that's how, like, I was a little kid uh, memorizing King James Version. So when I was reading it and studying it this week, I just kept saying believeth. So I don't know why that is, but I think some of you probably memorize it in NIV. Uh, I heard out there the, all these different uh, translations of the Bible. Um, John 3.16, one of the most well-known verses in all the Bible, and it's probably one of the least known context in the story from which it comes from. Uh, if we had to ask you, where is John 3.16 uh, in the context of the Bible, you, you might have uh, a difficult time. So, so we want to look at that this morning and see the story and the context around which John 3.16 comes uh, we'll start at the beginning, the opening verses of John. We're just going to read the first three right now. If you're able, would you mind uh, standing with me as I read John 3? It'll be 1 through 3. John 3, beginning in verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We'll stop right there. That phrase, born again. Uh, how many of you have heard that phrase, born again? Well, down in Georgia in the south, they said born again all the time. And usually in a church service, if you say born again, people would say, Amen. That's right. That's just how. Now, in the Pacific Northwest, it's a little bit different. And so the term born again uh, probably has all kinds of meanings and emotions attached with it. 
One of the most uh, probably uh, biggest meanings that we attach to born again is, is a type of Christian that is the hand raising, uh, dancing, amen person. At least in the Pacific Northwest, we would, we would see that. So, so what does it mean to be born again? Well, once again, let's stop and, and pray that the Lord would open our eyes. Lord, as we uh, pause here at your word, we, we know that we could just read these words uh, written so long ago in a different culture, in a different language, um, and it would seem so distant to us. But Lord, as we slow down and meditate on these words, would you let everything else uh, pass away, and would you open our eyes so that we could see, that we could see where your kingdom is at work in our world, that we could see things for more than just uh, what they are, but the eternal purpose that you have for all of those. And we need our eyes to be open, Lord, so that we can see. Lord, we need our, um, our ears to be open, that we can hear. Lord, soften our hearts that we can understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and have, have a seat. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit this morning about what it means to be born again. But bef before we do there, this is a way to uh, start out. I want to talk about, if we're going to talk about what it means to be born again, I want to talk about what it means to be born. Uh, it's not a huge, I mean, we all, everyone sitting here today has been born. It's not a very complicated uh, idea. 100% of you are, were born. You do realize that. Uh, and the reason I know that is because there is life in each one of you. Uh, you, you were born, there's some events that happened that carried you along, that something happened to you, that you were born. And not only just born, you were born into a family or a context or a place uh, that gave you a name uh, that you had no control over, right? Uh, you didn't have control over what hospital you would be born in. You didn't have control over what season or what day you were going to be born. It just happened to you along the way. And that name that you were given is really an identity that you were given because you were born into uh, some kind of family or, or uh, like community that then shaped your values, uh, what you cared about, how you did things. Uh, it shaped who, all, of, all of those uh, things. And in a sense, each one of us who have been born, which is everyone, has been given, when you were born, you were given this bag uh, of stuff. Uh, a bag from your family or the people closest to you. A bag that you, we go the rest of our lives unpacking. Uh, things that, we, that we're looking for and actually uh, our, our family, like it, it's missing. I wish I had this in my, my family. My, my, oh, my dad never taught me that or I never had that or, or the missing things in the bag. There are also things in the bag that you pull out that are a burden, that are really heavy uh, to carry some family history or or secret that you're like, man, this is just it's hard uh, to carry. There are things that you pull out of that bag that you've been given from your family that you probably want to throw away. You're like, I am never doing that like them. And then there's probably things in that bag that you're like, boy, what a what a gift. You pull it out and you're like, oh, I cherish this. That I got this from my grandma or my or my mom. This this identity, this value. Um, We've all been given uh, this bag uh, by those before us. And if you're a parent, you've tried to pack that bag to give to your kids, and you try to pack it with really good things, uh, the best things that you possibly can. Uh, but being born and given that bag, uh, we will all figure out it's never enough. 
It's not enough. It's not enough to answer the questions in life. It's not en enough to, to satisfy all the things that you are longing or the questions that you have. And in fact, we're going to see today that you'll search and search and search this life, and you'll never be satisfied and until you see the kingdom of God at work in this eternal perspective and purpose. Jesus is going to tell us that unless we are born again, that we'll never uh, see the kingdom of God as it fully is. We'll never experience that new life and that identity and the satisfaction of what it means to live with Jesus. To be born again. Amen? Born again. Well, uh, you might be like, well, born, born again. I mean, I'm not, I didn't grow up in Georgia, so that phrase is a, it's a, it's a little bit... Uh, it's a little bit fanatical for me. I mean, I'm okay coming to church. I'm okay sitting here, even reading the Bible some, even praying. But being born again, and, and that term is such a Christianese. Like, I only hear it in Christian circles. What does it even mean to be, be think about what's it really mean to be born again? How, how, does, that, how does that happen? What even, what even is it? Well, that's going to bring us to our text today, is we're going to see uh, the story of a man, a teacher of Israel. He's religious, he's faithful, he's wholehearted, and he's going to wrestle with Jesus over this idea of being born again. So as we read our text and go through it, there's going to be three uh, questions that are going to guide us today as we uh, stop and consider what uh, born again is. We're gonna, we're gonna, first, we're going to look at the question of what does it mean? What's it mean to be born again? How does it happen and the third question, how do you know if you are born again? So what's it mean? How does it happen? And how do you know if you are born again? So let's read the, the story now. So John 3 and verse 1, uh, and just follow along, either in the Pew Bible on page 3 or 834 or uh, on the screen. Uh, but if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to open it, because we're actually going to look at a few things that are probably uh, footnoted in your, in your Bible. So... Um, if you want to grab that, page 834 in your own Bible, John 3. Beginning in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let's stop right there. It's such a well-known passage, John 3.16. It's so familiar to us. Uh, I, I memorized it so long ago. It's been in my heart. And yet when I was, went to study this passage of Scripture and slow down and say, what's it mean? I, I felt myself lost at times. Uh, even the great teacher R.C. Sproul said of John 3, he's a great preacher and teacher taught through uh, the Bible. He said that this is probably one of the most difficult texts in the New Testament because there's, there's so much to unpack. Um, which probably could be said of all of John, realistically. He said, I now believe it is one of the most difficult texts in all of the New Testament to deal with adequately. So I'm reading that commentary as I'm studying for this passage and going, oh no, what do we have uh, ahead of us? But it's also a little bit validating because I feel like there's times when I too am like Nicodemus. And, and I read it and I just don't, I don't get it. Uh, and I need my eyes to, to be to be open. And so maybe you're there this morning too that's so familiar and yet it seems like what's, what's going on with this born again and the, and the spirit and the lightning and the water and the snake being lifted up? Weird. Like what's going on? So, so I want to work through this, spend a little bit of time asking those three questions. What, what does it mean to be born again? How does it happen? And then how do I know if I'm born again or not? So first question, what does it mean to be born again. And this is where if you have your Bibles open, it'll be very helpful because you'll notice a little asterisk over the word again. The word again in your Bible. There'll be a little footnote uh, down there. It's in every Bible that I've uh, seen, there's a little footnote. Even if there's not very many uh, footnotes, it's, it's usually on, on this word again. And in that footnote, it'll say, uh, can also mean from above. And it may actually have something like the Greek is uh, purposely ambiguous. In this, there's two meanings uh, for this word uh, in Greek. So let me teach you a Greek word for again or from above. Uh, the word is anothen. Anothen. Can you say that? Anothen. Well, that's really, come on, Greek students. Anothen. 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 Uh, anothen, that's good. It has two meanings it means again or from. Uh, above. We, we have a very similar thing in English, though. We have lots of words that there's one word, but it means different things depending on the, the context. Think of the word uh, date. So date could be a, a, a day on the, on the calendar. I, I go on a date with my wife. It's like this uh, intimate time with couples when they go out and do something. But then you can also eat a date, right? So depend, depending on the context is how you would then interpret that word date, or if you were going to translate it into another uh, language. So anothen either means again or from above, depending on the context that it's in. Uh, we have this word anothen three times appear in John 3. Uh, I'll show you how our English translators have translated it from above later on. So look in verse 31, 331. It says, he who comes anothen, and the way they've translated that is from above, is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven or uh, from above is above all. So now Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you must be born anothen. 
anothen. And the way that Nicodemus hears and understands that word, I, I think it's uh, not actually the right, the right way that Jesus meant it, anothen. He doesn't translate it, I have to be born from above. He translates it, oh, I have to be born again. So he's like, so I'm supposed to like go back in my mother's womb? Come on, Jesus. I thought you were a wise teacher. This is, this is silly. This is not how it works. But there is a context that Demas knows on this term being born again. In the Jewish culture, it was very prevalent, especially among priests and rabbis. Uh, because if a Gentile person wanted to convert to Judaism, which after all we know from the Old Testament that Israel was God's people, so if you wanted to be part of God's people, you had to then have to convert to, to Judaism. And they had this whole ritual you would go through. Uh, you would go to these mikvahs, these gathering waters. And in those waters, you would do something like we have for baptism. You would go down in the waters and then come back up. And it was almost a recreation of being born again. They even called it being reborn, born again. You would go into the waters as a Gentile. But when you came up out of the waters, you would be uh, a Jewish person, a, a a son or daughter of Abraham. You would be born again. Well, now Jesus comes to this Nicodemus, this teacher of all the Jews. Like, this guy is top pillar. He's like the Pope, right? And he's, uh, Jesus is saying, you need to be born anothen. And he's thinking, the only context I have for that is I need to be, like, uh, converted from Jew or Gentile to Jew. But I'm, I'm a Jew already, Jesus. I'm already in. Like, I'm in the family. You know, I've, the bag that I've been given is, I'm golden. I, I, have, I have enough. So he even jokes back, like, uh, what, am I supposed to go back in my mother's womb and be, be Jew again? I'm already Jewish, Jesus. I've already got it. But Jesus doesn't know you're missing something. There, there's something in that bag that you've been handed, even as a Jewish person, a child of God, that you're missing. Look at, look at how Jesus explains he says, you must be born anothen. I, I think in this context, Jesus is really talking about, you have to be born from above. In verse 6, it says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Uh, Jesus is really telling Nicodemus, there's two different kind of births. You don't need the first one. You, yeah, you're already, you're already born. And if you just go back into your mother's womb and become Jewish again, you're still missing something. There's still something that you do not have. And in fact, uh, being an Israelite and a Jew comes with its own baggage. That'll never satisfy you. It'll never be enough. Nicodemus, you're missing something. There's a whole kingdom of God at work that you're missing, and you can't see it. I'm sure Nicodemus was busy trying to do good, trying to do all the things that, that he was trying to do that made him a really good person and a teacher of the law. But Jesus is like, if you want to see new life, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born from above by the Spirit. He goes on to say in John 3, 7, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born anothen, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is another play on words in, in Greek. That word wind is actually the word pneuma, 
which means spirit as well. So wind or, or spirit. It's like this wind or the spirit is moving and working in all these people's lives that you can't control, you can't work for it. There's nothing, you can only see the effects of it when it comes and touches someone's life and you're born from the spirit. You're born from above. It opens your, your eyes. It's just like you can't control your own birth. And you can't control your spiritual birth as well. There's nothing, there's nothing you can work hard enough to do. It just it, it happens and opens your, opens your eyes so that when you see, you, you see the spirits at work. So then this brings us to the second question. We're all sitting here, well, if we can't control it, then question number two is, then, well, then how does it happen? How, how does someone be born from above? Well, Nicodemus, he's asking the similar kind of thing. Well, how can these things be? There's got to be some way I can control it. What can I do? And I think Jesus is trying to refocus his attention, not on what you can do, but on what you can receive. He gives him this illustration to help, help him understand, help him picture what's, what's going on here. And as a teacher of the law, uh, the Torah, the Old Testament, it, there's just one verse, and, but Nicodemus, I'm sure he's like, oh, I get it. I can see it now. Uh, John 3, 14. It says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So how is someone born from above? Jesus tells Nicodemus, Oh, you remember the story of the snake? Yeah, that's how. That's how. And, and for us, we're like, the story of the snake in Numbers, not our favorite book of the Bible, like what is going on here? So there's this short little story in the book of Numbers that just kind of almost appears out of nowhere, and it's not very long, and it serves as this illustration that Jesus wants to see of what it means to be born again, what it means to receive eternal life. What's the picture of that look like? So let's read it. Numbers 21. Numbers 21. Uh, you can follow along or uh, just look in your Bibles. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. It's the fourth book, Numbers 21. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people came, became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up uh, out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Because there actually was food. It was just manna, and they got tired of it. Verse 6, Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many of the people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. And then the story just goes right along. And you're left wondering, what's that story about in Numbers? It's, it's weird. It's, it feels, feels random. But Nic Nicodemus, he understands. He, he gets it. Uh, see, the people of Israel had been camped at Mount Sinai for a year. Uh, when finally the Lord's like, okay, we're ready, let's go out. 
And so they start going out towards the, the promised land. But even as they just get a little bit away from Mount Sinai, on the way to the promised land, they start complaining. We got no food. We got no water. And just like, I've provided everything you need for this. But, but they're just arguing against them. Here are the people of God that God has chosen. It's the, it's the right family. But yet there's something in their hearts that's not that's not right. They're complaining. It's like they're saying, Lord, you don't even care about us. You don't love us. You're, you're the kind of God that we don't even want to be. Like, why did you even bring us here? And so we see that God removes his protective hand from them and sends these fiery snakes, which I don't know what that is, but that sounds horrible because I hate snakes. Uh, fiery snakes, and they bite people, and, they, and they're like dying around them with all these fiery snakes. And so then they repent. Yeah, we're the, right, <laughs> we're the children of God, Israel, but we can still be bit and die. Lord, there's something, there's something missing that we need. And so they all repent. Lord, we're, we're sorry we did this. And Moses, on behalf of the people, uh, prays to the Lord, and the Lord says, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to make uh, this bronze snake, and I want you to put it on a pole. And then when people are bit... They can look on the snake and live. Now, the snake, if you're reading through the Torah, if you, the, the idea of the snake or the serpent, uh, it's kind of the image or the representative of everything that's, that's evil and broken and wrong with the world. Uh, and, and as Moses is supposed to make this bronze snake and like put it on this pillar up, uh, people are going to look at the snake and then they will live. This, this image of, of death and evil and wickedness and rebellion nailed to this pole. But it wasn't that they were supposed to like worship the snake. They were just supposed to look at the snake. And the snake would be an image, an illustration uh, of the poison that they had been bitten with, had been judged on the pole, on this cross. And at that moment, when they looked at the pole, when they recognized, I've been bitten with the poison that's going to kill me, and they look to where the judgment is satisfied, then they would have life, uh, like new life. Like, like being an Israelite, you're going to still die, but if they looked to where this judgment was being met and satisfied, they were going to have this, this new life. They could be born again in the same way as us. If you've been, if you've recognized that you have been, you've been bit actually by the poison of sin and brokenness and rebellion, it runs in your veins. And if you just uh, ignore it or discount it, like no, 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 I'm fine. I mean, we're all dressed up nice. We're all good to go. We've got nothing, and we don't look to the place where judgment is of sin and wickedness and rebellion is met on the cross, then we're going to end up dying too. But it's the moment when you go, yes, I've been bit by the sin, by the poison of sin, and I'm looking to Jesus, who nailed all that to the cross. That's the moment that I can receive new life. It's not what you do or how hard you work. It's simply by recognizing uh, that there's sin in you and you look to the one who can cure it. You, you receive this. It's a picture of Jesus on the cross. To, to, born, to be born again is really to receive that life from the one who's uh, paid for all of our brokenness and sin. It, 
It's not something that we control or that we make. It's simply a, a gift that we receive. And I think that's what John gets. I think he hears that story and he knows it and he looks back and he's like, oh, I get it. He can, he can see. So John 3.16, often in, in our Bibles, is in red letters. Uh, but there's, there's some questions. On, is this really what Jesus said or is this somebody else? Well, uh, it doesn't really matter because all inspired word of God. But, but I actually, I lean more towards, I think this is John inspired by the Spirit, his eyes are open when he sees and goes, he looks from afar at the punishment and judgment of sin that's taken care of on this cross, and he recognizes his brokenness and he needs a Savior. He looks at it and then his eyes are open, and then we get John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus on the cross. He takes our sin and the death and he nails it to the cross. He says, if you look to me, if you receive this gift, you'll have new life. You'll be born from above. The Spirit will enter you and you'll have life and identity. So this brings us to our last question, question three. So how do you know if you've been born again? Let me suggest that in just the same way that you were born into your family, that there is evidence of being born because you have life and identity and movement and value and affections and priorities. In the same way, if you are born again, you are given life, new life. You're given an identity. You're given priorities and an affection. And let me just point out three things that we can see. Uh, to know, am I born again or not? You'll see these, I think, three things moving in your life, just like that wind blows the tree and you can see it. Oh, the wind is at work. If the Spirit is alive in you, you'll, you'll see these things moving in you. The first thing is it, it reorders your identity. Reorders your identity. Now, I'm a Woodard. I'm Joel. I'm a soccer player. I'm a pastor. I'm a husband. I'm a, a father. I'm a coach. That's that's some of the identity that's been given on me. But when I'm born again, I become a Christ follower, a Christian. So, so the order of my identity, of who I am, it's all like totally simplified. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower who happens to be a pastor. I'm a Christ follower who happens to be a husband. I'm a Christ follower who happens to be a father. And so then all of my identities then are reordered in knowing that I belong to Jesus first. There is a unity in that among the body because it doesn't matter where you come from, what language you speak, how long you've been a Christian or not. If you're a Christian, we are unified together in Christ. It reorders your identity. That's why I think the church can be the most diverse place ever, because our identity is all in Christ. We're, we are first Christians before we're even Americans. We're first Christians before we are our genders. We're first Christians before we're our careers. We are Christians. That is our identity that reorders all the others. Number two, it reorders your priorities. Reorders your priorities. You'll, you'll see that uh, you're no longer living for you, but you see this kingdom of God at work. And so all of a sudden, uh, your priorities of where you spend your time. Like a Sunday morning, it's beautiful outside. You could be on the river or the lakes or on vacation. And, it, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. Go do that. But your priority, making church, like making gathering together with God's people a priority. 
Uh, making spending time in the word a priority, where your finances go, uh, it changes your priorities because you're no longer living for yourself, you're living for something bigger that has impact on the whole, wor the whole world, and it's like eternal. It reorders your priorities. And here's the third thing, it reorders your affections. It reorders how your, how your heart is moved and changed within. All, all of a sudden, we start like caring for the weak, or the, or the person who walks in here who is broken, as Christ's followers of being born from above, as the Spirit's alive, we see people who are alone or broken or maybe just a little off, and our hearts should be drawn to them. Lord, well, how can I help them? How can I give for them? How can I pray for them? It, it, it reorders where our cares and desires uh, go. It, it also does things like uh, we don't like to talk about. It also brings guilt and shame when you're doing something wrong. So when you're alone and doing something wrong and all of a sudden you feel like just cruddy, that's actually the spirit at work in you going, don't do that. That's not, that doesn't bring life. That's not who I've made you to be. It weans your heart from the things of this world and places them on the things of the kingdom of God. Well, the greatest story ever told uh, I think it's summarized in John 3.16. It all begins, it's motivated. Its starting point is the love of the Father for each one of you. So that you wouldn't walk in blindness and darkness and brokenness, but that you would see life come from above that would quicken your, your hearts. So that really leaves us with just the last question then. Will you receive it? I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh... If you've been bit by the poison of sin and brokenness, you're, you're going to die. There, there's, a, there's a division between you and your maker. You're saying, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm just fine. And God says, I sent my son because I love you and I want you to be free and redeemed and forgiven. Just recognize it and look to me. And I hope each one of us can... Say that. And if you can't, don't leave here today without talking to somebody or, or praying. Uh, we're going to have the worship team come back up after I pray. And just a chance to re for all of us to respond. Uh, to look at the place where uh, in Jesus all of our sin and judgment and death was nailed to the cross and that we can be born again. That our hearts and priorities and life can be changed to see the kingdom of God at work in our world. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this well-known scripture. And Lord, uh, even as it has been buried in my heart uh, from long ago as a little kid, I pray that you would continue to help me, um, boy, unpack uh, what I've gotten from being born of, of flesh from someone, but also unpacking what it means to be born of the spirit the Spirit, born from above, born from heaven, Lord, as the Spirit quickens and wakens in me, that as I open that bag of things that I've given, I've been given a community and forgiveness and hope and purpose and meaning, uh, Lord, would I uh, live in that? And Lord, if anyone's here today and their eyes uh, cannot see it, and they're, and they're trying so hard, they're working so hard to get there, Lord, would you uh, allow them to just rest and to know and to see you, on the cross, who've taken care of all of their 
uh, sin and guilt and shame and that they would just receive you today. Lord, they would receive you uh, simply by just um, saying a simple prayer back to you and saying, Lord, I am broken. I've been bitten by the bitten by the poison of sin. It's in my veins, and I need you, Lord. I need you to see new life. And Lord, if we've been there as we uh, respond in worship, would we worship both all of our hearts and our souls and our minds? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, Thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.